So we're going to deal with, uh, over the weeks to come, with different uh, doctrines, theology. Uh, we'll especially at the beginning end talk about ones that uh, are important and also ones that have lots of uh, wrong things going out about it. And this one this morning is going to be on creation. And uh, it's probably the most important one because it's the first verse in the Bible. And uh, the devil likes to take things that are foundational and critically important for a whole lot of other things and get them messed up. And so that's what we're going to talk about this. So in your notes, number one, one of the major descriptions of who God is in the Bible is that he is the creator. When you talk about the titles that God has, uh, who he is, and he is given various titles in Scripture, the creator. And in fact, if you were to look up every verse in the Bible that has to do with his being the creator, you'll find literally hundreds. Uh, the sheer repetition of that ought to convince us that this is a truth that's important. And, uh, and when that one gets messed up, a whole lot of other things get messed up as well because it's a foundational principle. And again, the first verse in the Bible sets the stage for this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God is the one who did that. So I uh, say often and regularly, if you want to understand the Bible, look at life. Everything that is in the Bible is illustrated by life, by creation and by life experience. And so I like to build things. I just finished building a shop and I did everything on it. I was the creator of my shop. And I'm in the process of rebuilding um, a 69 Mustang. It, it is so bad, it is almost like I'm building it from scratch. There won't be much new in it when we're done with the thing. But I like building things. I especially like building things out of wood, having a piece of paper that has all the information and then doing the, the cutting and the shaping and putting it all together and gluing it together and sanding it and, uh, and then following my dad's main motto. The main difference between a good project and a bad project is lots of putty. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, I make it beautiful after I mess it up but this, and then sand it and, and make it good. So God is the creator and he started from nothing and built and created everything that exists. And once you start compromising on that one, then you'll lose a whole lot of other things, and we'll look at what that is. Genesis 2.4. I'm going to read quite a few verses just to give you the sheer volume of this, and I'm not even close uh, to what's there. Genesis chapter 2, verse 4. Well, let's see. I've got to remember I'm the main person on this one. This is the, the account, the account, the story of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made earth and heaven <clears throat> and you, Lord, in the beginning, in the beginning, laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the works of your hands. The heavens are the works of your hands. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 26, for all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. And the, the, the existence of the earth and the heavens is basically the best proof of God's signature of who he is and what he's done. Nehemiah 9, 6, you alone are the Lord. You have made the heavens, the heaven, uh, heaven of heavens with all their hosts, the earth and all that is in it, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to all of them and the heavenly host bows down before you. 
uh, reading, sorry, the seas and all that is in them. You give life to all of them, and the heavenly host bows down before you. Psalms 8.3, when I consider, when I consider, when I look at, think about, ponder, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, and so God is the one who is the creator of that. Psalms 33, 6, by the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. And so when I create something, I have to use a skill saw, a table saw, a variety of tools. It says here that the word of the Lord, he spoke it into existence, the breath of his mouth uh, God created. <clears throat> Psalms 89, 11, the heavens are yours, the earth also is yours, the world and all it contains, you have founded them. And so God did it. <clears throat> For all the gods of the peoples are idols, the Lord made the heavens. Psalms 102.25, of old you founded the earth, the heavens are the work of your hands. I'm not intending to read all these to bore you, uh, I just wanted to make sure you understand that this is not talking about one verse, Genesis 1.1. It's talking about hundreds of verses all through the Bible, and so I'm giving you quite a few just to give you that, uh, uh, for you to recognize that. May you be blessed of the, uh, of the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. And so sometimes when topics are totally unrelated and uh, talking about behavior and families, various things, this will be thrown in just as a title. Uh, God, maker of heaven and earth. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. <clears throat> May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them. Isaiah, O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel who is enthroned above the cherubim, you are God. You alone of all the kingdoms of the, of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. <clears throat> Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these stars, the one who leads forth their host by number. He calls them all by name. Because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one of them is missing. Do you not know, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired? His understanding is inscrutable. Uh, the creator of the ends of the earth Again, this topic is not about creation. The topic is about trusting God for his strength. But thrown in there is his title, creator of heaven and earth. Isaiah 44, 24, thus says the Lord, your redeemer, and the one who formed you from the womb. I, the Lord, am the maker of all things, stretching out the heavens by myself and spreading out the earth all alone. And so God did this without uh, help of of uh, natural causes or anything else. I, the Lord, am the maker of all things. Again, a title, a name. It is he who, Jeremiah 10, 12, who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom, and by his understanding he has stretched out the heavens. Jeremiah 32, 17, All Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. And so one of the things that I sometimes get in a discussion with is people want to talk about this and they say, what, especially believers who get sucked into this uh, theistic evolution, you know, God could use this. I say, why would God do something? Is it too hard for God to create an atom? Is it too hard for God to create a planet? Is it too hard for God to create the science that's involved in all this? Is that beyond God's capability? Does he need some other help to make this happen? How big is my God? 
And so um, the question is, you know, the average individual goes in the direction as a believer of theistic evolution and compromises and simply believing that God did it all because they're afraid that people in the world will think they're dumb. That, oh, you know, Christians have this foolish belief that God created everything, spoke it into existence. I don't really see a problem with that. Uh, it'll be easier for people to believe in a God that got some help from evolution or whatever. I don't think so. Uh, God is more than powerful enough. He could create it all a hundred times more than he did. And then we think about the size of, of everything that has existed, the complexity of it all. It, it bolsters our faith. God is able to take care of me if he could do all that. God is infinitely powerful, omnipotent, and uh, all-wise. He knows what he's doing. And creation illustrates that, and it gives me security because that's my God, my Father, my Creator. Acts 20, uh, 4, 24, and when they had heard this, they lifted their voices to God with one accord. This is New Testament, Acts. They're getting persecuted, and the church had been on, uh, going for a couple of weeks, and uh, so they decided to call a, a prayer meeting. And this is their uh, prayer, the beginning of their prayer meeting. They lifted their voices to God with one accord. It's like 5,000 people at this prayer meeting. One voice, I mean, this is what you call a corporate prayer meeting of some magnitude. O oh Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. New Testament church praying to God and their primary purpose for gathering was to ask for boldness so that they wouldn't wimp out when persecution began. That's why they gathered together to pray. And so they begin their praying with this title, uh, You have made heaven and earth. And saying, uh, Acts 14, 15, and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of the same nature as you and preach the gospel to you that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven uh, and the earth. And so the appeal to them was uh, God is the creator of everything, that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. And so they were worshiping idols, and Paul says, Don't worship all these idols. Worship the God who created heavens and earth. Colossians 1.16, For by him all things were created, both in the heavens, on earth, visible and invisible. By him he created everything. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. See, that includes all angels and demons. He created everything. Whether thrones or dominions, uh, and every house is built by someone, Hebrews 3.4, but the builder of all things, the builder of all things is God. I like that term builder, comparing it with building a house. Uh, I built a shop. God built a universe, stars. By faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. By faith we believe this to be true. God is creator. He created out of nothing. Uh, everything exists because of his creative power. Worthy are you, our Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of your will, they existed and were created. God's will. This is in Revelation. Uh, and, and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created the heaven and the, and the things in it, and the earth and the things in it, and the sea and the things in it, that there will be delay no longer. Revelations 14, 7, he said with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and the springs of waters. Number two in your notes. I'm going to catch up with my notes. 
looking at, observing and thinking about all of creation all around us is a major key to discovering God, His attributes, His power, and His divine nature. So we have been communicated to by God and the creation of the world is a major creative communicative tool that God has made and the Word of God is a tool that He communicates to us the intricacies of who He is, what we're to do, how we get to heaven, all of that is in the Word of God. But creation uh, is God's uh, key tool at the beginning stages. Revel, uh, Romans says that those who uh, don't believe in God have no excuse. They have no excuse because everything about God is everywhere all around them. Well, if you wanted to destroy that, all you have to do is to say, that's not from God. It all happened by chance, by evolution, and therefore you do away with the major tool that God has for communicating to us everything about his nature and, uh, and who he is. One of the... Uh, tools that we used as parents with our kids who were growing up is some different books that were written by people on character. So one of our goals is to teach our kids character and character traits and what that meant and how they could become that person in character. And so each of the character traits that we chose to teach them about is illustrated in the Bible by people's lives and each of them is illustrated in creation. And so God illustrates and teaches uh, by his everything that he does. Proverbs says that regularly. Go to the ant, O sluggard, and observe her ways and become like the ant. And so God teaches through his creation everything that he did, he did with the purpose, uh, wanting to teach us about his divine nature. Romans 1.20, I've memorized this passage, 18 through 20. And it says, for since the creation of the world... His invisible attributes, His eternal power, His divine nature have been clearly seen. Everything about God is clearly seen uh, through what He has created. The problem is, is the average individual doesn't look at the stars and the mountains and everything and think about God having done it and then communicating that into their own thinking pattern about God's attributes and His power. Uh, and that's because we've been so brainwashed by our world, by our culture, it doesn't enter our brain when we look at a beautiful sunset or look at a gorgeous canyon or a mountain and think, wow, God did that. And we begin to think about who he is and what his attributes are, what his nature is by what he created. And so the devil has a purpose in establishing that so strongly. I don't know if you ever notice when there's some discussion uh, uh, primarily in the area of politics, but sometimes in um, colleges and areas when the topic of creation, I was listening to a driving over to Eastern Oregon to go hunting and it was late and I was trying to stay awake so I spun around the dial and it was a talk show came on and the topic of creation was there and the defender of evolution got incredibly uh, angry and irritated and uh, I mean his discussion just went, it was like, whoa, and as I was listening to this dialogue, I thought, the old devil really is behind all of this. This is an incredibly demonic teaching. And you can kind of hear that when people get confronted about it. It doesn't move into what you would call logic. It simply moves into, this is the way it is, stupid. Uh, it became very insulting. 
the other individual that was talking about creation, the, the, the speaker on the radio program basically questioned his ability to add two plus two. It made him sound like he was the most uh, ridiculously uneducated, stupid person ever to walk the planet Earth. Now that this thing has moved from simply talking about facts to just name-calling and insulting and emotion. And I thought, this is obviously demonic in its drivenness and its passion because he knows that if he can question, get people to question the source of what we see, then they lose the a key way of knowing God and everything about him. <clears throat> Being understood through what has been made, that is his attributes, his character, so that they are without excuse. And I, I regularly, people will say to me, what about people in uh, faraway China that never heard the gospel? I said, uh, read Romans 1, 18 through 20. It says that God put in them, in their very being, an awareness of God. And then he gave creation so that everything about God is clearly seen so that they are without excuse. And once they see creation, once they acknowledge what's in them and take one step in the direction of seeking, God will respond to that. He will respond to that. And so there is no one who's going to be able to stand before God and says, well, you can't send me to the lake of fire. I never heard they will be without excuse, but the devil knows that, and so he will try to counter that every step of the way by just messing up that major way of God communicating to the world. Psalms 8, 3 through 4. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, when I look at it and think about it, what is man that you take thought of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Uh, in, in, in other words, God's magnitude and his majesty and his uh, glory, everything about him is... It's just expanded tremendously. 33, 6 through 9. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. By the breath of his mouth, all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deeps and storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Uh, the command to fear the Lord is repeated over and over and over and over again. And that will occur observing his creation as much as anything else that there is. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded it stood fast. Stand and stand in awe of him. Fear him. Number three, looking at everything around us as the creation of God is a discipline that we can train into ourselves and our children. So when we were raising our kids, we wanted them to grow up uh, practicing the presence of God practicing the presence of God. That is, they would be continually aware of his presence in their life, that he saw everything that they did, heard everything they said, knew everything that they taught, and that would become very strong in them because once they were out of our control, we wanted them to fear God in the sense of he knew what they were doing, totally, completely aware of every motive, every thought that they had. That fear of God primarily comes from being reminded of his presence because all day long you see his creation. If you don't make the connection between a tree and God, if you don't make the connection between a mountain and God and everything that you see, then the ability to be aware of his presence begins to be lost. Um, but when you see what he's created continually all day long, then the practicing the presence of God becomes a very strong attribute in our life. 
a foundational belief, attitude, and character trait that is needed to have a growing relationship with God is the fear of the Lord. If you look up that word, the, uh, the fear of the Lord, fear of God, uh, and, and uh, fearing God, fear, feared, and you'll find over a hundred references, and the blessings that come into our life are huge. Uh, there's tremendous blessings. Now, it's not where you're in the corner all covered up with a blanket sucking your thumb, shivering and shaking because some bad thing is going to happen to you. The fear of the Lord is a healthy relationship with God whereby you acknowledge He is God, infinite, almighty God. He makes the rules. He's the one who has the power to take you into heaven for all eternity. He has the power to send you to the lake of fire forever and ever. He's the one who rewards and blesses. He is God Almighty. And we live for Him, serve Him, love Him because we have this healthy fear of God. Um, and if you're not aware of His presence, fearing God is impossible. Psalms 25, 12, Who is the man who fears the Lord? He will instruct him in the way he should choose. That's a cool blessing. He teaches him his perfect will. His soul will abide in prosperity. Your soul... It will be healthy and strong and growing. Your soul will abide in prosperity because you fear him. And his descendants, that's my children and my grandchildren, will inherit the land. That means they'll, be, uh, they'll do well in life. The secret of the Lord, my kids and my grandkids are picking up on it now. That's terrible. They know that I hate secrets. So they will say, between the two of them, two kids in front of me where I can hear, don't tell dad. Don't tell dad what? Oh, Dad, uh, nothing, nothing. Oh, you know, they're playing with my mind. Uh, secret of the Lord uh, is for those who fear him, and he will make them know his covenant. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. The eye of the Lord, he's everywhere all the time, sees everything, but that's a special relationship, a special relationship. He pays attention to you. Uh, on those who hope for his loving kindness to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Uh, we would use this verse again with our kids. We would get ready to go on a trip and say, you know, while we're driving, there's going to be angels flying around our van, keeping it on the road and keeping other cars from running into us and keeping us from running into them. Isn't that cool? We'd read this verse. But it isn't a blanket promise. Angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him who fear him. The fear, oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for to those who fear him, there is no want. Wow, that's a cool promise. Uh, he has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him, toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Uh, and so that becomes a key uh, to experiencing all these blessings uh, that we've just read about. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A lot of dumb people in our world today. My dad used to say, just because you get old doesn't mean you get smart. And uh, I regularly observe that to be a true statement that he said, uh, wisdom is a growing thing. In the beginning, the foundation of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Praise the Lord. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. How blessed. Now, there's a lot of blessed blessing in the Bible, and there's only 12 how blessed. Uh, I mean, this is a really blessed dude here. How blessed. 
and you'd look and see what the condition is. How blessed is he who fears the Lord. His descendants will be mighty on earth. That's my children, my grandchildren. The generation of the upright will be blessed. He will bless those who fear the Lord, the small together with the great. May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed to the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. Maker of heaven and earth. Maker, look at that, maker of heaven and earth. Uh, the one who does the blessing. How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. Uh, when you shall eat of the fruit of your hands. Oh, this is a great passage here. You will be happy. You will be happy. And it will be well with you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children like olive plants around your table. So fruitful vine, uh, that means he has lots of kids. I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> anyway, you'll have a great marriage. We'll just put it at that, huh? And uh, your kids like olive plants around your table. Good kids. Who? Those who fear God. Behold, for thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord, who fears the Lord. The Lord favors those who fear him, those who wait for his loving kindness. You ever hear me say this? In fact, it's on my office wall. He loves everybody, but I'm his favorite. Uh, and some people say, God doesn't have favorites. Sure he does. It's all kinds of verses in the Bible right here. The, the Lord favors those. That is, you become one of his favorites, those who fear him, those who wait for his loving kindness. <clears throat> by loving kindness and truth, iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord, one keeps away from evil. The conclusion, when all has been heard, is fear God. The conclusion, bottom line, when you hear, read everything in the whole Bible, Bottom line, fear God, keep his commandments. This applies to every person. The key to having a very healthy fear of God is being aware of his presence everywhere around us always. And so it's not, a, 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 not something that you could get right on a quiz when somebody says, is God every place? Oh, yeah, God is every place. We're talking about more than an intellectual assent to some uh, doctrinal in fact, we're talking about a constant awareness that's in you, in your being, in your heart, in your mind, all day long, continually as you live. You're aware of his presence as powerfully as if you could see him and touch him and hear him. Um, the key to that being true in you is his creation, what we can see and experience all day long. <clears throat> oh, Lord, you have searched me. This is going to be a little longer passage. You ought to memorize this passage, by the way. This is amazingly powerful to get you aware of his presence. You have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down, when I rise up, you understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path, my lying down, are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there's a word on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it all. Now that's amazing. God knows what I'm going to say before I say it. You have enclosed me behind and before, laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain to it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. And so God is everywhere. He sees everything. God sees everything that we do. God hears everything that we say. And God knows everything that we think. So if that were absolutely true inside of you, in your mind, in your heart, it would have a major impact on the, the behavior that we have, the way we 
act, the way we talk, the choices that we make, but so many of the times we do things, say things, act in a certain way, totally oblivious to the fact that God sees it all, that God sees it all. If we would grow in our awareness of his presence, practice the presence of God, a key to that is every time you see a tree, every time you see a rock, every time you see a river, every time it rains, say, Lord, thank you for your creation. You are infinite. You are mighty. You are wonderful. You are all wise. Wow, look at this. And without realizing it, though we would say, I don't believe in evolution because we hear it all the time, it impacts us. It influences us. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, his eyelids test the sons of men. God sees everything I do. And there is no creature hidden from his sight. All things are open, laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, watching the evil and the good. Number seven, God understands what our motives are for what we do better than we do ourselves. Sometimes I'll write, I can do all the right things for all the wrong reasons. And the bad thing is I can do all the right things for all the wrong reasons and not even know it. Motive is important to God. He knows my motives more than I do. Would not God find this out? God knows the secrets of the heart. He knows the secrets of my heart and yours. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the result of his deeds. God sees our heart and is completely aware of our character, our flaws, and our strengths. If God were to appear and we were to say, describe me, he could do that perfectly. He knows everything about us, every need that we have. He loves us with an incomprehensible love and his goal is to make me as much like himself as is possible in the earth and the time and our response that he can. As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father. Serve him with a whole heart and a willing mind. The Lord searches all hearts, understands every intent of the thoughts, searches all hearts, knows and every intent of the hearts. If you seek him, he will let you find him. Then here in heaven, your dwelling place, and forgive and act and render to each according to all his ways, whose heart you know, for you alone know the hearts of all the sons of men. But you know me, O Lord, you see me, you examine me, my heart's attitude towards you. Now, if that were right at the top of our thinking all the time, consciously aware of the fact that God sees me, examines my life, knows every detail of my life, so we become motivated by that. We become driven to grow and to seek him uh, if we're aware of it, but fact is we're not. We seldom think about the fact that God knows what I think, knows my attitudes, hears the words I speak, the decisions I make. It doesn't really enter our heart when we think, oh, Lord, sorry about that one. Uh, know it intellectually but not in practical living all day long those believers who have a strong sense of his presence become highly motivated to please the Lord in all that they do so circle that point in your notes that's one of those major 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 truths when we talk about living the Christian life having a healthy soul growing and becoming like him in character that truth is critically important. When we have a strong sense of his presence, 
We're highly motivated to please Him in what we do. If we don't have a desire to please Him in what we do, then uh, we're going to just be doing what everybody else does. Therefore, we have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to Him. This is the Apostle Paul. You get to that point, live that life, where you have as your ambition. That drives you. You're consumed with pleasing Him in everything that you do. You become a highly motivated individual. Those believers who have a strong sense of God's presence are strong and confident living life without anxiety or worry. Occasionally I'll say when I'm speaking, I don't worry ever about anything. I don't get uptight. I don't get anxious. I don't fret about anything ever. And sometimes they respond with, uh, I don't think that's possible. I say, well, God commands us to be anxious for nothing. If it weren't possible, why would he command it to us? Uh, and uh, worry, anxiety is huge in lots and lots of people. I, I, I hear it all the time. And be sure nice to grow to the point where you don't fret about anything, no matter how serious it is, because God's in charge. He loves me. He knows what he's doing. I don't need to worry about it, no matter what it is. That comes from being aware of his presence. As you become aware of his presence, a peace, a confidence grows in your life. And being aware of his presence is critically based on his being creator, creator of everything. Nevertheless, I'm continually with you. I'm with you all the time. You have taken hold of my right hand. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. You are with me. I fear no evil. Why? You are with me. Practicing the presence of God increases our strength, our confidence, and our ab the, the freedom from anxiety and worry in our life. Do not fear. I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you. I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. <clears throat> those, who, those followers of Jesus who have a strong awareness of his presence are filled with wonder and awe and worship, and worship well. Occasionally I'll, somebody will say something to me, I don't enjoy worship. I said, uh, that's sad. You know that's the most often given commandment in the Bible? Genesis to Revelation. In fact, you command, you stack up all the commands in the Bible to praise, to worship, to exalt, and it has more references than the next one given and the next one given and the next one given combined. So if it's repeated that often, worship God well. Are you dependent on how soft the seats are? Are you dependent on whether the notes are high or low? Are you dependent on whether it's songs you know or don't know? Are you dependent on songs that you like or you don't like? Is that the factor? then it's not about God, it's about you. So what makes a good worshiper? I've been in churches where the piano player could only play about three notes accurately. It was really bad. And uh, nobody in the audience could sing very well. In fact, we went to a church on our bicycle trip where they said, hey, anybody here play the piano? I thought, whoa, this is going to be good. <laughs> um, we had a wonderful time worshiping the Lord because it's not based on what it's with me, uh, worship God well, both all day long and corporately, and uh, you're aware of his presence. So when you worship, you're worshiping him. You're worshiping him. And it's amazing how he rewards us when 
We do that. You honor me, God says, I will honor you. Uh, and I'll honor you with a great sense of my presence. You who fear the Lord, praise him, all you descendants of Jacob. Glorify him and stand in awe of him, all you descendants of Israel. You, you who fear the Lord, that this is what will happen. As a result, you will worship well. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God. You are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. <clears throat> I will extol you, my God, O King. I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, highly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. O glo uh, o the on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works, I will meditate. Honoring other people, having a healthy view of life is based on a strong belief and faith in the fact that we are created by God in his image and his likeness. So, major sin of our nation is abortion. And you say, how did that happen? Uh, it happened because of the fact that people evolved from mud or whatever. Evolution tremendously impacts our value of people and who they are. When people are created by God as an act of God, Psalms 139, you created me, you made me. Um, you saw my unformed substance when nothing existed. You were intricately involved in making me. I belong to you. I am your child. I am your creation. When I look at you as God's creation, the one whom Jesus died for, the one who created, uh, he created to live with him forever and ever and ever. And then the, when I honor you, I honor God. When I dishonor you, I dishonor God. And that, that's the message of the Bible. Uh, we are um, God's creation worthy of honor and glory from one another in the way we talk and treat each other. Honoring other people Having a healthy view of life is based on a strong belief and faith in the, of the, in the fact that we are created by God in his image and in his likeness. And that's a huge deal in our relationships. It's a huge deal in the way we look at the unborn, uh, whether they are God's creation or not. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Uh, God is creator. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed, for in the image of God he made man. Big deal when you treat people poorly in God's eyes. The acceptance of abortion is, as a right is a direct result of the belief and teaching of evolution. <clears throat> so we don't connect the dots sometimes. And we go back to the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created mankind in his image and in his likeness and every individual since then as an act of his will. God is omnipresent, but most people seldom have a thought about God being present around them. And when I say most people, including us in that category... So growing in that area of life is so super important. A little book written years ago called Practicing the Presence of God uh, and the implication, the impact it has on our life as our awareness of his presence grows, a whole bunch of other things in our life grows as well. And so it's a, 
a, a discipline of thought that we have. God, you are here. You are here. You are here, prompted by what we see. And so we learn how to meditate on his presence, remind ourselves over and over and over again, you are here, you are here. And so we begin to grow in that awareness of his presence that we can't see him, that we can't hear him or touch him. We, and creation is intended by God to be the prompter of that thought if we train ourselves to do it. So we work with our kids at a young age to do that. Every time you see something that's created by God, remind yourself, God is here. Uh, you know, back in the days when kids could pick strawberries, we took them strawberry picking. They were out in the strawberry fields in diapers, crawling around in the dirt and the mud. And so the rule was you could eat a strawberry, but you had to shout at the top of your voice, thank you, Lord, for making strawberries. Then you could eat it. If you didn't shout that at the top of your voice, put it in the bucket. And uh, so when our kids were there, you know, eight kids at various sizes in the strawberry fields, you heard all over the field, thank you, God, for making strawberries. <laughs> and, uh, and the purpose was so that they would acknowledge that God is creator. Simple strawberries. Whatever we experience in life, God made it. He created it. Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. That could be our life verse. God is here and I didn't even know it. Were he to pass by me, I would not see him. Were he to move past me, I would not perceive him. Indeed, God speaks once or twice, yet no one notices. God's plan is that we would grow strong in our awareness of his presence as we lived in the midst of what he has created. That's his plan. Since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. By the breath of his mouth, all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap. He lays up the deeps and storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. And that's because of his creation by awesome deeds, your answer, you answer us in righteousness, O God of our salvation. You who are the trust of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest sea, who establishes the mountains by his strength, being girded with might, who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves. The tumult of the peoples, they who dwell on the ends of the earth, stand in awe of your signs. You make the dawn and the sunset shout for joy. You visit the earth and cause it to overflow. You greatly enrich it. The streams of God is full of water. You prepare their grain, for thus you prepare the earth. You water its furrows abundantly. You settle its ridges. You soften it with showers. You bless its growth. You have crowned the year with your bounty. Your paths drip with fatness. The pastures of the wilderness drip, and the hills gird themselves with rejoicing. The meadows are clothed with flocks. The valleys are covered with grain. They shout for joy. Yes, they sing. God as creator is such an important truth that the devil will work super hard to get the world to discount it. The teaching of evolution is demonic. Yes.
So he is all about uh, creating false doctrine, the devil. He does it through people. They teach it, they teach it, they teach it, they teach it. Pretty soon it becomes what everybody accepts as normal. Its source is from the devil. 1 Timothy 4.1, the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times some will fall away from the faith, fall away from the faith. I don't know of a thing that has caused young people to fall away from the faith as much as the teaching of evolution has. They will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits, doctrines of demons, doctrines of demons. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. This is the devil talking to Eve. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. So the whole goal is we don't want God telling us what to do. So let's put him on the shelf, if not disbelieve that he even exists. So you have to do away with creation in order for that step to be taken. I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. False prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you who will secretly introduce destructive, destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves, denying that God even exists. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Who laid hold of him? An angel. How many? One. One. This dragon is a wimp. Laid hold of him. I did that to my dog once when he was laying in my chair and he knew that was bad. I grabbed a hold of him, poof, pitched him out the door. <laughs> That's what's going to happen to the dragon. He threw him into the abyss and shut it and sealed it over so that he would not deceive the nations any longer. Not deceive the nations any longer. That's what he does. He's the deceiver. And we don't want to be part of what it is that he's doing until the thousand years were completed after these things, he must be released for a short time. Oh, look at that, we made it. 